0: The J.T. and Looney Podcast, Episode 61. Marcus Mariota. Marcus Mariota, you've always believed in the backup quarterback, and, and I've always been a big believer in the NFL quarterback rating, and, and Derek Carr's amazing He's a top-ten quarterback, and he's been playing phenomenal this year. But when he went down with that, uh, that issue uh, last night on Thursday Night Football, as we taped this on Friday... Marcus Mariota came in, and, you know, when those running quarterbacks come in off the bench, teams have trouble because they didn't prepare for a guy who would scoot around like that. And you're always a big believer in having a great backup quarterback. And, oh, just one errant throw and tip interception away from really playing a great game.
1: He, it was um, amazing to see him play as we record this on the Friday after the Thursday mm-hmm. night game where I was in Allegiant Stadium when Carr went out with the groin injury. I knew that Mariota was not only ready to go, but I've always been a fan of Mariota from when he yeah. won the Heisman. And I'm not an Oregon fan, but I like the mobile quarterback with the big arm who could make plays. And we were on the radio his entire career together, so any big game he ever had, we're pretty familiar
0: and, with. And do you the- remember he came along at a good time? We had two Heisman Trophy winners in a row. We gave a Heisman Trophy for, to a teenager, and then they acted like a teenager, and we complained how they acted. <laughs> it was uh, Johnny Football and Jameis Winston. Both got Heisman trophies and then acted like idiots with their Heisman trophy. And Marcus Mariota came along. It was nothing but class. And so he was kind of a breath breath of fresh air we needed after two idiots won Heisman trophies.
1: And he came into the game completely uh, prepared. And John Gruden took so much heat. John Gruden took so much heat. Did the post-game show afterwards, local show. Friday, so he deserved it. He took all the heat. He, he said that you know if he didn't like what happened at the end, he owns it. Gruden's the best I've ever seen, and I've met a lot of coaches over my life, been right. lucky, but he's the best that owns it, owns it. If they don't win a game, he, he says, I respect my players. I, I respect my players. He always says that, and then if he loses the game or he makes a bad decision, he'll own it. So going back to Mariota, Mariota got the ball first and goal on the four in overtime, touchdown wins the game. You could not have brought up any scenario, any scenario in a 100 that I would have possibly guessed that that could have happened the way that game started, halftime, third quarter, was even ending in regulation. I never thought at any point that the Raiders would have it first and goal at the four with an opportunity to win the game Not put up a field goal or not go for it on fourth down or go for it on fourth down and fail. And they lost the game and Mariota was running as good as he's ever run as a professional. And he didn't have the opportunity to run the game out, which they handed it off to their star running back and it came back to bite him.
0: Josh Jacobs really looked like he had a nose for the end zone in the previous few runs. Uh, when they were outside the red zone, he really he looked hungry for the end zone. So I understand why they gave it to him, but they should have given maybe a run pass option to Marcus Mariota because he was hot. It's a shame that it didn't happen that way because in a game where five, we try
1: to talk about all these NFL games, but just coming off this one, last night, uh, the way they lost a game is another definition of a gut punch. And sports fans, yeah. a lot of them, <clears throat> Excuse me, as I drink my Moscow Mule. Sports fans haven't been able to experience gut punches live throughout the entire pandemic. Oh,
0: you have, but they haven't. Yeah,
1: I've I've witnessed multiple ones, and I've um, witnessed one within 24 hours. And when you feel it, and you see it, and you feel it, Mm. a gut punch is tough to handle at any time as a sports fan.
0: I'm going to get a punch in the gut if I don't. Do our live read in the first five minutes of the podcast. That's the rules. I and mean, where is it? Oh, hang on. This will be a very professional live read. But it won't sound like I'm reading because I am a broadcast professional. It'll just sound like I'm talking. It's about our sponsor, Bet Online. Love those guys. Go to betonline.ag. This is just off the top of my head, matter of fact, because this is the wrong copy, as we call it in the business. I'm not sure what I do it. They have game spreads and totals, uh, team player and coaching props. And BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. It's really cool. So if you're into betting on sports, that's the place to go. You've heard, and if you if you haven't ever bet online, it's really cool. You don't have to go to all the way to Vegas and live in Vegas, you could, or, or, or even visit Vegas. Just go to Bet Online. Their online casino is open twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, just like Vegas. So, BetOnline.ag, head there today. Take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. BetOnline.ag is where you go, and. Uh, Online is your online sportsbook experts. If anybody is, they are. See, it really didn't sound like I'm reading, did it? It sounded like I was talking. Now that I'm done with my live read without sounding like I'm reading, read that list. I saw your tweet about how nobody's allowed to go to Raider games. It's like six of you that are allowed to go to Raider games. Uh, Six of you who aren't in football uniforms or coaches who are allowed to go to games, and you're one of them. The list of quarterbacks that you've seen perform at Allegiant Stadium in Vegas that no one else has got to see, unfortunately, in this odd year.
1: Thanks for bringing up my Twitter because you're usually scolding me
0: for
1: (laughs) something like this. This is is an historic moment, but I, being at the home NOA games this whole year during the pandemic for the Raiders, these are the players I only saw live in the building at Allegiant Stadium. That would be Derek Carr. Marcus Mariota, Justin Herbert, Drew Brees, Josh Allen, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Philip Rivers, and Drew Locke all live in an empty stadium. Tell me someone you know, anyone you know who right. who've seen more, the better live quarterbacks in the year of the pandemic than I have. Lot
0: Maybe Chris Probably. Myers because he calls games, <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. And maybe he hasn't because he doesn't get to right, – uh, but uh, not many. Not many. That's a, that is a list. And what's
1: cool about this list is and what's interesting because a guy, a great broadcaster like Joe Buck, you would think that Joe Buck because he does every game, right? Home right. and on the road, every game's a road game for Joe Buck. He's had combinations too, but for a radio guy working on an NFL broadcast pre and post – The fact that I saw Drew Brees, Patrick Mahomes, and Tom Brady and Rivers all for the only time they'll probably ever play in Vegas. And then I saw Justin Herbert and Mahomes, who I'm going to see for 10 years in a row in this rivalry if I'm lucky to work there. And Justin Herbert might be the best one of them all. He's that good. He blew oh, me away.
0: Oh, tell me why you think that. Although, as you know, I believe in the quarterback rating. And he just—he just he's a green banana, and he's already you know, a top 15 quarterback. He's ahead of Tom Brady. He's got a better quarterback rating than Lamar Jackson or Ben Roethlisberger or Matthew Stafford, and I can keep on going, or Jared Goff. I mean, this guy, uh, as a rookie, came in off the bench, and look at him. You couldn't have asked a better question
1: about what what I saw in him because yeah. it's when I saw Josh Allen, I pretty much saw the exact same player. They looked the same from the field, the 200 level where I was, the 400 level. They're so big and tall that you say to yourself, oh, who's the big tall guy on the other side of the stadium I see on the sideline? So he's got a mass presence like Josh Allen – But the footwork and the athleticism jumps off the field. It's not like clunky, not like a little bit slow. Getting back in the pocket and then moving their feet to the right and left and having a cannon, both of those guys I saw this year, they were both identical, both brilliant quarterbacks.
0: They're not going to have the same coach next year, are they? He's too good for them to be losers the way they are. No right?
1: shot. Anthony Lynn is, no shot. is yeah. a nice gentleman, nice man from everything I hear, but he can't be the quarterback. They found they found a diamond in Justin Herbert, and I don't want to get too far ahead of it because there's been plenty of good young quarterbacks in the NFL that have flamed out. The history book of the NFL is with young Heisman or players or they're called bust because they're first-round picks, and they come in, right. and they look really good in three or four or six games, and they don't turn out to even make it to their rookie contract, or they bust out. Herbert is a can't-miss because of how great of an athlete he is. Forget about the pocket passing, the accuracy. Josh Allen had that criticism coming out, even as a rookie with Buffalo, but Herbert's got none of that. The ball comes out like a rocket ship. He runs and he throws on the fly like Patrick Mahomes.
0: These might be the good old days. A lot of a lot of times, you don't know that these are the good old days. As I think it was Carly Simon or Carole King, one of those uh, adult contemporary singers back in the day who sang that song. But when you take a look at the quarterbacks that we have in the NFL right now, from Aaron Rodgers and Patrick McCombs, Drew Brees, Deshaun Watson, Ryan Tannehill, is, uh, as soon as you got him out of a Miami Dolphin uniform, he remembered how to play quarterback. He's terrific. Josh Allen that you were just mentioning. Derek Carr uh, is is just is getting better. He hasn't even peaked yet, Derek Carr. And uh, Philip Rivers on his way out, but Baker Mayfield seems to be getting better and better as they give him a chance to improve. We got Tom Brady, Justin Herbert, who you're just talking about. Tua is climbing his way up the quarterback rating as a top 15 quarterback at number 15. He's incredible. Lamar Jackson is a human highlight film. Kyler Murray. You can't you can't take your eyes off Kyler Murray. He's best. Could be behind Mahomes. We could move him to the front oh.
1: line. Great that you're bringing this up because Herbert was so good when I saw him live, and I can't wait. Kyler Murray and the way he throws on the run is yep. incredible. And it goes back to what you initially asked me with Mariota. Fantastic. Fantastic. Eighty yeah. Yeah. Uh, some eighty-eight yards rushing. 280 in the air, whatever the number was. The point was he was brilliant throwing the ball. And you're right, the golden age of quarterbacks. If you look at the guys saying goodbye who don't move as well, Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, Rivers. obviously. Eli just left. Tom Brady, never great moving his body athletically. Probably underrated with that, of course, as the GOAT. But the guys that we're mentioning now are brilliant, and it probably should be the test going forward. With every coach, if they want to keep their quarterback, like Derek Carr, who I like and I hope Gruden keeps long-term. But if you don't, at a minimum, make plays outside the pocket like Josh Allen or the one I saw last night, Herbert, or Mahomes, or Murray, then we're not going to make you our franchise quarterback. It's the new secret. Don't make anyone your franchise quarterback unless they do what Trevor Lawrence can do. Joe Burrow, who just came in, number one overall. And the six or seven you just named, because if you're not at their level, your team is never going to win, and they shouldn't make that guy a franchise quarterback. Yeah,
0: and one of the ways you can do it is if he's getting better and you see progress and he looks like he could be, you just keep franchise tagging him, which which they have done over the years with a couple of guys. And they did it. You know, they were smart. They did it with um, Kirk Cousins. And there's this weird – Kirk Cousins is strange. Uh, uh, Statistically, fine. Um, Artistically, fine. He's got the talent. He just can't beat good teams. It's unbelievable. His record against good teams is just atrocious. I mean, I think he's beat good teams a handful of times in his career. So you you just can't have a guy like that. Washington didn't finally give up. Washington's won four in a row. Will it be five? Because they're an interesting team. Is Ron Rivera, is the Ron Rivera elixir starting to kick in with that team? Where'd they come from?
1: Well, they came from the best maybe right now defensive line in football after Bud Dupree went out an edge rusher linebacker for Pittsburgh, and they got a great pass rush too. But Washington's pass rush is insane. And you're quietly tormenting me with this topic because the Raider pass rush from Thursday night to bring it back in the last yeah. six games is non-existent, yeah. non-existent. And if you just added a pass rush, you know, it would clean up the back end, the secondary, clean up everything if you have that pass rush. Washington's pass rush is make cleans everything up. Now everything looks good because they're rushing four and it feels like they're rushing six.
0: Yeah, yeah, and they're gonna they're gonna win that division. They've, they're finding themselves at the right time in the right month, and so finding that horrible division is gonna have a, a team that could have a winning record. We didn't think that was gonna happen. Uh, the, we don't usually talk this much about sports during our podcast, but the Buffalo Bills are for real. They've been telling us that year in and year out. This is gonna be the year that Buffalo turns it around, and finally, we just turned that off. I just turned that off, and I never believed it, and I gave up. I got fatigue from it. Like, people get COVID fatigue and forget to wear their mask or decide to go to a big party because they're getting tired of uh, of protecting their life and other people's lives. Well, I got the same thing with Buffalo Bills over the years, being told this is the year. But, you know, I thought the Pittsburgh Steelers for a long time were the best team uh, in the NFL, and the Buffalo Bills kicked their ass. Buffalo, Buffalo Bills are for really
1: real. Good. And- <sighs> You know, we, you're from upstate New York. Yes. I went to college at Geneseo, so I met a lot of Buffalo fans. And funny you say that. I'm on a text exchange, group text, with a whole bunch of different fan uh, friend bases, mm-hmm. guys who are friends of mine. And I'm on one with a bunch of Buffalo guys who are my fraternity brothers, and they're great guys, and I'm on mm-hmm. the, a thread. And with thread, now we're we disagree on some political issues. So we're going back and forth. But the thing is they're all diehard Buffalo fans, bills. Uh-huh. fans. So I get the bills in my life year round because they're always talking about the off season. They're always talking about the regular season. Now they're talking about the playoffs. They're talking about how other teams affect their bills, playoff chances. So I'm in that world every day with a bunch of bills fans and, They're so happy and they're good. And I'll tell you this, because of the league and COVID and all the changes we've seen this year, and we don't know who's going to be healthy or not – Bills can easily win the Super Bowl. If they oh, yeah. hot yep. and win a few games in a row, there's not a team that they shouldn't be able to score on, and they're well-coached on defense from McDermott, and they can get off oh. the field on third down.
0: After that Monday night football game, do you think the Baltimore Ravens, if they squeeze themselves into the playoffs, could ruin anybody else's chances yeah. and get themselves? Yeah, yeah, you better say yes. What a great Monday night football game. It could have been the game of the year. Yeah, and we're both saying
1: yes because we picked Baltimore to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> we have not to get to that. the Super Bowl—that was our <laughs> you know, Super Bowl pick. Thank God it's not the JT and Looney betting podcast against the spread this uh, week. But, but I, these teams that could get in the playoffs could be unbelievable. Again, under no circumstance could Washington—they're such a flawed team—they're going to get into playoffs if they do.
0: They're not going to win. They're rebuilding, but, but, they, but they, 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 they're finally rebuilding after all these years.
1: But in the AFC, I could see a number of teams win the Super Bowl if they're fortunate to get by Kansas City and Kansas City gets tripped up. But in the NFC, it seems like with Breeze coming back from that really serious lung and rib injury – They got him ready to play by the end of the year, which is a major step. Aaron Rodgers, to me, is just a little bit ahead of Mahomes for the MVP. Look at his numbers. Look at touchdowns, interceptions, yards, ratings, and all that. So I got Rodgers just a ten ahead of Mahomes. So now I just think of the NFC. The Super Bowl is going to come down to Brady, Rodgers, and Drew Brees. How cool is that? Make a run late. It's going to be fun to watch. How
0: cool is that? I mean, it's it's like watching Tyson fight Roy Jones Jr. The old guys, Brady, Rodgers, Drew Brees. But uh, watch out for the Rams. The Ra- The Rams get their act together in December, and it looks like they got it together. And that defense and Aaron Darnold, you can't do anything. And we talk. We love to talk about the Ferraris on offense, but really. It's going to be the teams with the best defense to go to, to go to the Super Bowl, as Mark Twain said in Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court: Defense wins championships. I tried to help a friend of mine who has eight brothers and sisters. He has got a family group text that was driving him crazy, like your Buffalo Bills group text, and um, and I so I. I went into YouTube and figured out exactly the best way to get him out of the group text. So I got him out of the group text, but now he's getting the individual texts coming in instead of the group. So it's worse than being in the group text is when you, when you, when you, when you block yourself from the group text, you start getting the individual texts out of context. So you don't even know what they're about. So what's fascinating about this is I Googled how to get back into a, (laughs) <laughs> a group after you've after you've blocked yourself out, no one's ever Googled that in their life. <laughs> you know, there's other people who have Googled what you need to know recipe for chicken parmesan. There's already already been a million people. Not one person in the history of Google ever asked how do you get back into a group text <laughs> after you blocked yourself out. That's so that, the Buffalo
1: yeah. boys would probably want to drop me from the conversation. I love hearing <laughs> what they have to say. But maybe, maybe the biggest change in communication in my personal life in the last 20, 25 years, even go back to 30, whenever you got your first cell phone, if you can go back to that. I had one in my car, in my porch. Oh, that's right. Wall Street. <laughs> my <laughs> first cell phone, remember, was not in my pocket my first cell phone was, was in, in the car, in the middle of the console in
0: my porch. Oh, and they charged it by the minute, right? Oh, it
1: believe was... me, they <laughs> charged it by the minute. You had to have it charged, and it had to be hung up correctly in the middle. But biggest change in my life communicating, radio anyway, is text messaging. Because the best friends I've ever had now were texting more, which mm-hmm. is good, because there's yep. more laughter and thinking about that, but we're not talking. I know. And everybody, my kids and my wife even though we talk all the time at home, but a lot of the times we're not talking on the phone, we're just texting. Right. And then even our bosses and even people in our lives that we work with, our coworkers, there's no call the front desk. Hello, can I have Mr. Whatever's office? None of that text messaging. Is that good or bad?
0: Well, sometimes it's bad because, especially with people you work with, or like you said, bosses, is if you're If your only communication a lot of times is email, is electronic, emails and texting, there's the nuance. There's love that's lost. There's, I had to call a friend the other day. He sends me silly memes. And he fancies himself a writer, but I don't think he's not very good. And English is a second language on top of it. Maybe he's a good writer in Spanish. I don't Ooh, know.
1: Too much information you're giving me here. I, I know. figure out who this is. Did no, you don't. Actually, you don't, know. Actually, you don't know, know who it is.
0: Friend. Did you say it's, it was a friend of yours? I, it was, yeah, it's a friend of mine. But you know, it's kind of a... Uh, how should I put it? Because he's not going to listen to this anyway. Kind of a charity case. Somebody I help out needs a, a little health issues. Give him right in the 99 cent store. So I'm in the middle of work and I use my phone for work a lot now. And I'm working in the news business and sometimes to log into stuff, you got, you know, you, it texts your phone. Or, you know, And I'm busy working and I've been doing news at KBC like 16 out of the last 17 days. And his silly memes get on my nerves. So I had to call him to tell him say hi, say what's up, let me know if you need a ride to the 99 cent store, but I had to call him to tell him, because if I texted, people can take things the wrong way, if they don't hear, respect and love, etc. So, I had to make sure, okay, especially, you know, this is English, could be English is a second language, that's even another layer, I better call. When you do talk to somebody, or see them in the office, which we don't do anymore, you're doing your radio shows from home, I'm doing news from home, then yeah, you lose a connection that might be important so they don't fire you.
1: You know, as kind as you've been letting me rant on this podcast about mm. my schedule and me every week saying I had to do this and I worked this many hours of this show, which I want to stop. I don't want it to a, happen like this again. And I'd like the new year to be a little bit different Right? I want to get back to you on the news. Yeah, the biggest news year in oh my god like, i know in modern era in the modern era this year and you're at a massively recognized and strong news station am 790 K-B-B-C.
0: talk radio 790 KABC news live and local i am tom looney
1: 100 miles an
0: hour as we work our way you know how Pasadena when area. there's a high speed chase on tv the guy never gets away We'll never say never. There was a long high-speed chase Friday night live on Channel 5 down the 5, the 134, the 10, the 210, the 605, and the 60. The guy bailed out of his car at the Commerce Casino, walked into the casino, if I could turn back time. changed clothes like Cher between Songs in Vegas, then walked out the front door, hopped in a taxi, and disappeared into the night. Police are looking for him. Lakers had their first game last night since Kobe died talking news during a pandemic. Yeah, it's fascinating. And it's also weird how you get excited. Oh, there's my new, there's my lead story. I got a new lead story. And it's sometimes it's something awful. It's weird because... You jump, oh, they, the, the FDA panel has approved the Moderna vaccine. I got a lead. And then you explain how the, now it goes to the full FDA and they're expected to make a decision late tonight or tomorrow. And that's what I was saying last night. They still haven't made their decision, but there so were sometimes the one day. I filled in on afternoon drive at KABC, and it was the day we were just watching the helicopter, Marine 2, on the south port of call of the White House lawn, waiting for the President of the United States to limp out into it and go to Bethesda Naval Hospital because he was suffering from, he had tested positive for COVID-19 and had symptoms. And you don't want that to happen. You don't want people to get sick. You don't want presidents sick or assassination attempts, etc. But I always thought when I was a kid, do anchormen get excited when there's an assassination attempt? Because they think to myself, oh, my God, I have to I put on my suit and I am going to be on TV all day. It's a weird thing. Or you get excited about... You know, the forest fire story. You know, oh, I got my lead story today. Look at that. It's a weird excitement you get that you know you're going to tell someone the story first. And you know I love to write. And and that was always even the thing at Fox Sports Radio. Things were breaking at night. And in addition to talking with you on the radio, I got to anchor the reports. And uh, it is it is exciting to know that someone's turning on the radio in their busy life and getting the car to go get diapers and they haven't been watching the news cause they got a new baby. And you're going to be the first one to tell them that something big is happening. That's fun.
1: Yeah. And what's interesting, I know both of us have this in common is that we don't cheer and we don't want, we don't look forward to bad news. No, story. no, of no. Course not. And we were talking about the news, but in sports, I was going to tell you that there are now, there's a genre of sports talk radio, which is every day, about beating up the one player or debating the the, the, right LeBron every day or it it just gets so to the point where there's a lot of
0: mudslinging
1: yeah yeah, it's not about the news or the games and the deeper dives it's just about what's the one thing we can pound into the ground so when you get real negative news god forbid it's really negative and something happens to a person there is a genre now with sports radio that gravitates to that and uses it and pounds it home and runs with it for four or five days, the negativity of the bad news story.
0: Yeah, well, bad news and a lot of times negativity, you know, hardcore opinions are more interesting. Uh, there's no good news channel or, and who would people watch? You know, uh, we've always talked about this, uh, about how really the, uh, there's never been less people starving on Earth. There's never been less war. Uh, we're we're more at peace than we've ever been as as an Earth. Uh, but good news doesn't sell. That uh, you know, crime was you know before COVID nineteen, especially crime was at an all time low, and so people do see, and sometimes now with the internet. And with Twitter, and if somebody does something racist in Des Moines, everybody sees it, and so it looks like there's probably worse racial problems than there is in the country, and we've probably never gotten along better. But it is – and so your point is right that the bad news sells in our business and the good news doesn't. And we'll do a podcast.
1: I have two ideas, and I'll throw this out to our loyal podcast audience, all those who have emailed me at talkbrick at com. when I snuck in my secret email, and people got yes, to me and from all over. It was really great to see. It was. But When we look at the year in review, I'm fascinated by how the media is going to present it in the next couple of days. We're at the end of the year. We're wrapping up 2020. Every editor producer, director, news anchor, anyone who works in that environment is not at work. They're not in the engineer truck room. They're not in the back. They're, they're at home. So they're all working from home on Zoom, yeah. except maybe the talent that is allowed in the studio, and they're all putting together now their year-in-review without standing at the water cooler and talking about it or not being in a boardroom that has 19 people and standing behind those people who are lucky to get chairs talking about the year in review. Everybody's going to be talking about it through their computers, old emails, text exchanges, and I saw it. I still watch CBS this morning with Gail. (laughs) And man, that show, that show's struggling a bit because they pause too much and it's too much zoom pause at the end. Like the next guy's got to be ready to go. You got to be ready to go. And they're not good at zoom pause as it's called, but they did their year in review because they must all be taking off. Through the new year, which they should through Christmas and Christmas Eve. And oh yeah, it's
0: it, it is it is strange when when that happens in the news business because it's like there's no news. Uh, because I, I I've consistently done news on the weekends for the past year, and through a death in the family of one co-worker and another one was let go. I've done like six like I mentioned uh, all throughout the month of December. I've been working every day. But I do notice at night and on the weekends, there's just less people in newsrooms. So there's just less breaking news, period. It doesn't mean there's not news. uh, And so it is strange when news people have to go out of town. Oh, oh,
1: and I I just want to finish that. I saw the year in review, the end of the year on CBS, Uh Gail it. And it was, it was a wowzer. It was, it oh. was just what you would think starting off the year. No, not even a thought of Corona. Everybody in the studio, everybody right. having muffins and bagels to the end of the year. And then everything that went in between from Kobe to the wildfires, yeah. Australia, all of this. And by the end of it, cause it's kind of done in chronological order, which doesn't have to be, but it was you sit there and go, Oh, my God, what a year 2020 was.
0: And you and I, you didn't grow up with a transistor radio underneath your pillow, dreaming of doing radio like I did. And I wanted to do music radio. And I used to play radio station at home. My mother got this. It was it came with two walkie talkies. And there was this base station and it was all on Channel 14 on CB radios. Uh, All the walkie talkies, the kids walkie talkies uh, are on Channel 14. And we had this base station which was which is this cool looking device that i had in the house in my bedroom and i feel like that kid since march because i've been doing radio from home and it does uh, and, and i and i love it you've just started doing radio for home from home where you're you're doing you know sky is falling radio you go to a break and then you go out the door, and instead of hanging out with other radio people, it's your family in the living room near the Christmas tree. What's that like? It's incredible. Another unbelievable question by my
1: longtime mm. partner. <laughs> it's, it's, I can't even describe it, nor do I want to, because I need more time to think about it over the next couple of months, because uh-huh. it's been 20-plus years of going into a studio, and now right. I when I don't do it, and I could still do it, but I'm doing it now almost exclusively from home, like this podcast, I think the radio and all the content has been just as good, hopefully, if not better. But it's very uncomfortable. I'm really? Happy, really? I'm very happy to be comfortable at home. Right. But you look at the pillow on the bed. You look out the window in your own backyard. You know, the dog's in the next room. The right. sun's warming up something in the air fryer because he eats everything <laughs> out of the air fryer. And that's all just steps away. Steps away. Not blocks away or a quick commute, because you know the, I could always get to work quickly. Yeah, right? yeah it's important, always important to you. Yep. I can get to work within 10 or 15 minutes, but now that it's literally 30 feet away, when you walk in, it's something I'm going to have to come to grips with, and I hope we all get back to a studio environment, but I haven't figured it out yet. I like it some nights and other nights. I've learned (laughs) to see the buttons. I want to see the buttons. Oh, my God, I know, I know. the buttons.
0: I always love the buttons and all the equipment, too. It's such a, a cool business for that reason. One day you did tell me, and I don't know if it was on a podcast or on a phone call, about how... You know, you like to walk out of the room and then sometimes a conversation about sports that is sparked in the hallway or during a commercial will spark material for you on the air since you got to fill hours and hours and hours over the course of a career. And you walked out, you went to a commercial and you walked out, your wife was making meatloaf. So you came back in and when you came back from commercial, you started talking about meatloaf. (laughs)
1: Yes, I thought you were going to even go somewhere where she's better than that. At she, uh, we were sitting there talking, and there are so many nights. My wife is so great because she's a sports fan, and she's right. a real sports fan, and. I would come out of the room, and the room, the door connects right to my living room, right to my TV room, the main room in the house. And she's right there on the chair with the dog, and she's locked into Illinois basketball. Not
0: watching
1: watching it, completely locked locked in, not in the kitchen, not walking around. And she's doing deep dive into Illinois hoops which she loves. She's a Cubs fan. She puts up with the Lakers and all of our support here for the teams. We like the Yankees. But when her Illinois comes on, she'll lock in. So that will help me with the show. Not that I'm going to come back and talk exclusively about Illinois, but it will get me to look at one or two or three of my screens in front of me and go, well, let me check the rest of the college basketball scores or what else is being played tonight because there are nights I have no interest in talking about certain topics. If there's nothing big happening in college basketball, it's not making it on my Mad Dog show. It's not making it on, but I'm doing that more because my wife from time to time is watching a hoop game.
0: Was your mother a sports fan?
1: My mom always supported our sports because my sisters and I were swimmers growing up as kids and Little League, and my dad was an iconic Little League coach, so my mom was there for all of it. So, And my mom played tennis when she was younger, and so my mom, she's playing golf now. So, of course, my mom watches sports, but no, my mom was never someone who would watch a game by herself unless it was her grandkids. She wouldn't just fall into a Yankee game and watch it without my dad. And I think that's that's millions and millions of sports fans if they don't watch with their partner or their partners much more into it. But my mom's always been really supportive of sports and everyone in my family, especially to our grandkids who have all played sports at high levels or attempted to play sports in all different categories, and she's the number one fan. She's the number one fan. Two things on
0: that. First of all, my mother was a huge sports fan, so I want to talk about that because my dad died young, but there was uh, was no lack of sports uh, enthusiasm in our house. My mother had us sitting in front of TVs and watching iconic moments, and I want to get to that. First, I want to talk about your dad. One time, it's Christmas time. I come over to your house, and I guess there was a fight near Christmas time. I'm at your house. And it would probably a December fight. Every once in a while, remember when Golden Boy or or HBO or Showtime and they would compete. So someone would have one in November and someone would have one. And one uh, other promotional company would have one in December. And your house is decorated for Christmas. I go there. Your dad your dad gives me a big greeting at the door. But like a millennial, all of his phone rings. I'm talking to him for six seconds. His phone rings. He says, hang on. And he flips his phone, it's a flip phone. Picks it up, and he ditched me because he had to find out about a grandson's game. Yes, and what and, uh, one, one of your nephews probably right was uh, was playing in a game, and so he had to get all the details about. And it was so funny because it was such a young thing for a guy in his seventies to do to just all of a sudden stop the conversation. He had to he had to find out you know how you, probably a basketball because it was December. How his grandson did in the game.
1: Yeah, big part of my dad's life, too, is that he's always in touch with all. And my mom, they're both in touch with all of their grandkids all the time. If you're lucky enough to do that, think of how lucky my family is that my parents are in great health and vibrant and they travel a lot and they play golf. And they still talk to all their grandkids and the ones who are now aging out of playing high school sports or college sports they talked to them from the time they were in eighth grade all the way through high school about every one of their games. That's not, great. You know, not a wrap-up at the end of the week, but, you know, Grandpa, I just finished a game. I had 12 points. Or, Grandpa, I got in the game in the second half. I blocked, and I scored a touchdown. That is so cool. Absolutely. And that's really important because grandparents are great at that, and that's what I hope to someday, and all people that become grandparents, you would love to have a kid's grandkids to talk to who are playing sports or vibrant, even if they don't play sports, they're talking about their art, they're talking about their hobbies and all that, but now with the modern era, I said it again with all this texting, cell phones, Zoom, FaceTime, you can talk to your grandparents whenever you want about anything that happened at any minute of the day. You don't have to wait till after the game.
0: That is great. And uh, right. And my grandpa Looney was incredible. Uh, when my dad died, you know, the first time I had to put on a little suit and tie and go to a funeral, it was my father's, and I was four. And after that, my grandfather, Grandpa Looney, uh, came over every day. Big tough prison guard, but I never saw that side of him because all he did is hug and kiss us and talk about love. Every day after my father died, my grandfather would come over at about 530 with either a loaf of bread, a carton of milk, uh, or you know, some type of food, and a hug and a kiss and, and, and check on us. And then he did that every day from when I was four years old until I went to college every single day at 530. And he was also a big sports fan, too. And so when I got old enough to be interested in sports, and especially boxing, I learned the history of boxing all the way back to John L. Sullivan, verbally, from my grandfather, who was a great storyteller and raconteur. Yeah, verbally. I just had, I just Eventually, I got to see, as we ended up with YouTube and everything else, all these videos. About all these fights, the long count and Jack Sharkey turning to a referee and getting knocked out, all these things I visualized in my head, all these great fights that I only visualized in my head, I finally got to see in the 90s and the new century, thanks to YouTube.
1: Yes, and you mentioned boxing, and I just wanted to say something. It's not our year-end podcast. It's our second to last, I hope, because I'm right. not podcasting three times before the end of the year. You got me? R- no, I got we're not. I interviewed. I had an exclusive interview. Felt pretty exclusive with Dana White. Oh, great. I had it? Yeah, because SiriusXM, Mad Dog, who I work with, they do this unbelievable deep dive into the end of the year, in 2020 and all that, mm-hmm. and they ask all the hosts – to talk to these big, big names, and they get all the access to it. I mean, they're rock stars. They can get anybody on any interview. So I had the president of NASCAR, Steve Phelps. Wow. I'm going to have the commissioner of the PGA Tour, big interview coming up next week, and I had Dana White, and Dana White right before the card, the night of his card. So we wanted to come on. Two quick parts of that story. I said, I can do the interview whenever you want. And they said, no, 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 he has to be live. Well, with me, you don't have to be live because my Mad Dog show's re- late. You know, right. 10 and seven Pacific, and my local show during the day. I can tape an hour before, you know, or two hours if it fits your schedule. I can talk to you before. Doesn't matter if it's an hour different. Say, no, no, we're live. We're always live. I thought, okay, that's cool. They're very aware of radio, and that's their vision. They want to date on live. So we do the interview, and I started it off talking about the card who was going to fight tomorrow night, the Saturday night. And then we went into the year in review, and I asked him all about what he was able to accomplish in sports, him personally and his team. And it was great, all him about the journey they had to go on to lead America and start off. Yeah, sports. they were the
0: first sport. Oh. Before the NBA, he thought, okay, how do we keep our sport going during COVID? And he was the first one to get everyone text, tested, isolate people, but stick with cards.
1: Outstanding stick, stuck with all the cards, yeah. had less than 1%. I think he said it was zero zero point zero nine six or whatever the number is, I'll get the exact one. On the amount of COVID positive tests he had. Wow, you know, that that is
0: pretty amazing. Because when you think about it, when you're working out mm-hmm. for an MMA fight, you're not just fighting. You're wrestling. You're getting in close. You're breathing on people. Uh, you know that, about
1: that, and you know what he added to that. I didn't even think of that. He just said, "I was traveling everyone from in from all over the world." That hit me because the PGA wow. Tour, everybody's on the mainland or they've moved here right. houses here, and then they get in the tour and they have to test. No, 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 not with UFC. they got to fly people in and quarantine them for a Vegas fight or fly, fly them to Abu Dhabi. He had to do that on top of – not that the bubble wasn't brilliant in the NBA in Orlando, but once they were in the bubble, they were in the bubble. With, with UFC, they had to take people that weren't in a bubble – get them into the bubble to put the fight on and then send them home and then maybe bring them back again because they fight continually in that sport. So I just wanted to get this in because I live in the same town as Dana White. Just blown away. Other than an athlete, I would give him my 2020 Sports Achievement Executive, Executive or Commissioner of the Year. Far better than Bettman, who did well. Rob Manford, who I didn't think did a great job, but finished. Division. What about Adam Silver? Adam Silver, outstanding. Great point. And especially yep. Tagielbu, who I think is doing a good job with the NFL this year. No one better than Dana White. Dana White, the president of UFC with partial ownership, helped them sell it for $4 billion, And he stayed yeah. on. And he stayed on during a pandemic was, to me, the sports executive of the year for all of 2020.
0: That's where the podcast should have ended, but we can't end it without talking about the Tom Cruise rant. You've always oh, had. Played you, it. You, you, you've always had. Oh, this should be an, another podcast. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you've always had an obsession with Tom Cruise. Did you hear the rant? What did you think about it? I have his back on it. What about you? Yes,
1: uh, it's no. weird. We both say we have his back on it. I know. Maybe, I know. Not, maybe that's our age and demographic.
0: Well, also not, not- because we're we both want we're trying to pre- prevent COVID. He wa- just like Dana White, he wants to preserve his industry. It's not not just about him. He wants to continue to make movies of other people that aren't named Tom Cruise. It it was generous of him. He wants other people who make movies for a living to be able to do it. And if they failed with Mission Impossible, it would have been so huge that all the other productions would say, especially the union productions, would say, "We, we can't do it. If Tom Cruise can't pull it off, we can't.
1: Well, that's interesting because, first off, please play it and drop it in here for one reason, part of it, not the whole thing, because I'd love to get sued by Tom Cruise at the end of the year. You know, (laughs) I'd ask to get our numbers up. (laughs) More than to get our numbers up and give it to Braun saying, yeah, you know, you might have gotten a call, believe. Like Tom Cruise is online, too. We should have took the audio. So believe me, I'd love nothing more than that. But the fact that he was so psycho about it and the way that he went psycho with Matt Lauer, I won't say – I perceived him to be over the top with Matt Lauer right. when he defended Scientology and uh-huh. everybody has the right to defend their religion. Right. And all the other things that he's done where he's lost it a bit, complete psychoness, craziness, nothing was going to happen. It wasn't some kid leaning over the edge of the Grand Canyon, if you don't pull him back, they might die. Everybody was getting tested. Everybody's in the world. Everybody realizes insurance companies. Everybody realizes there's no movies being made. He didn't have to dress down and destroy that room so hardcore as he did. He could have done it much nicer, Tom. Uh, I, I, well, of
0: course, you and I would have handled it differently. But here's the thing. We're accusing an actor of being over dramatic. Is that like accusing a firefighter of using too much water on the fire? <laughs> it's just—he's an actor. He's over dramatic. They're over dramatic by nature. Those people. So I—I uh, I, I just think that uh, he probably did. It, I think there was probably a method to his madness, and his method was, let's just go, go over the top on this so we don't get shut down, and. Uh, but you're right, it's uh, in the larger picture, it's, you know, people should be kinder to each other, but I think there might have been a method to the madness.
1: You're so missing this. Okay.
0: Actors. Okay, fine. About, oh, that happens to me. Sometimes I live in another world. What, what, what am he I missing? He was
1: a young boy from New Jersey who became a natural <laughs> as an actor, a uh-huh. natural in the background of movies, to the point when he was in the movie Taps, with Sean Panney jumped off the screen, and then he became one of the biggest global iconic actors of all time. I believe he should have been by now a multi-winner of the Academy Award. Agree. Best actor. So all of that, but I think his personal life, And how bizarre he is in these episodes. And what I don't see him doing anymore in life and games. And I don't know much about his kids. That's personal for him. But this just shows you that he's just not the guy I wish he would have been. I wish he was the two-time Academy Award-winning cool guy running around the world like Tom Hanks, more down-to-earth. He sounded like a lunatic.
0: Yeah, sometimes fame's, you know, somebody said that that happened after 9-11 to Rudy Giuliani, that the fame made him nuts.
1: Good topic, great topic.
0: Yeah, and somebody, because a lot of people have been wondering, even the people who like him, saying, he doesn't seem the same (laughs) as he used to be. And uh, he's older. And that's one thing, too. And uh, but uh, but sometimes that's just and I'm not taking a shot politically, but people have you know, people have seen right before our eyes. Sometimes fame does weird things to people. Sometimes it does nothing to people because you and I, fortunately, through what we do, have run into a ton of famous people or hasn't changed them whatsoever. But the people we've run into haven't always had Tom Cruise fame. What are you drinking? Because I had to make myself a Moscow mule. Oh, right. (laughs) Right. I feel like
1: I'm in a Hollywood club, like a day club in Hollywood, and I have a Moscow (laughs) mule. Would that be a good drink to order in a day club, a Moscow mule? Or is it a White Claw
0: now? Uh, There was this place I used to go called Varnish in downtown L.A., and it was an old speakeasy, and it was a secret bar behind um, this, this place that sold... Uh, French dip sandwiches, and there are two places in downtown LA that claim that they invented it. There's Coles and there's Philippe's. They both have great French dip sandwiches, and but you would sit, to, you would sit in this sub shop that was also a bar, a full bar that sold, you know, two different kinds of French dip sandwiches: one with turkey and one with roast beef. And you'd wonder, who are these people dressed to the nines? walking back and going through this secret door in the back so finally of course I had to investigate eventually it became one of my favorite places and it was a small place and you had to wait in line sometimes and they I, the first that was the first time I had a Moscow mule was in that place got well a couple of things couple of things
1: there first off French tip I had a French tip. A week ago at the Las Vegas Country Club when uh, my friend's a member and we play golf uh, played with his dad and we were done playing golf and it was kind of the end of the day, it was getting dark and we all had to go somewhere, but he said, You gotta try the French dip at the Las Vegas Country Club and I'm like, Really? I mean like maybe cop salad wings, you know buy a bunch of toys he goes, No Trust me, and I go. You know something? I'm gonna try the French dip with the au jus and the sauce to dip it in. It was incredible. You threw me for a loop there because
0: you don't eat bread. I know the French. (laughs) I know the French dip takes the guilt away because it kind of melts the bread away. (laughs) If you get if because I like to get it with extra au jus, super wet. And what you can do is you kind of make the bread melt away, and then it makes it look. It's making it kind of invisible, and then I then I I feel better about myself.
1: Well, it's incredible. I've, break in, I've broken bread with you uh, uh, so many times, but never when you're having bread. You only <laughs> have bread as the cheat day when you go to an Italian oh. restaurant or if you go to Taylor's and you go somewhere and they, you work out so hard. You bodybuild and work out so hard that some people cheat on their wives. I'm not one of them. Some right. people cheat on their cheat day for alcohol or this or that. You cheat by having bread, which is remarkable. That's the only time you
0: ever cheat. I know. It's funny, too. There's an irony there when I break bread with people that I don't eat bread. They do ask a lot of questions. I know that annoys you. I know you've elbowed who's ever sitting next to you uh, many times because uh, I've Ask, I'm asking the waiter too many questions and you don't understand why people ask waiters questions in nice restaurants. I, oh, I wanna... this
1: is, this is so important <laughs> and it's gonna, it's gonna come back to haunt me. It's gonna <laughs> come back to haunt me because someone's gonna be listening that I know or someone I care about and they're not gonna, they're not gonna understand this and I don't, I don't know where the root of it is. I don't know how it started, but. I live in Vegas. We have the best restaurants, some of them in the world, and I grew up in New York, and I've been eating around the world from Venice to Florence to Australia. And I don't think I've ever once asked a waiter or a server a question.
0: I know it's. I find it fascinating. It's actually kind of really cool too. You don't look at the menu. You know, a, a lot of times you don't. You know, it's a steak restaurant. You know what they got. And I think that's kind of cool because it's. Uh, I'm the guy that sometimes will leave the door open in my car for 20 minutes because I know I have to get back in. And people see your car door is open. You know, and if, I, if I'm in a rural area, I say, Yeah, I got to get back in. And, and so I, I, I love logic like that. You don't look at a menu in a steak restaurant. You know what they got. And especially an Italian restaurant, not to correct
1: you, but yeah, steak restaurant is one. It's mostly an Italian restaurant. That's that's when you don't look. Okay, because
0: I've been with you in steak restaurants. I remember in Seattle, I was asking a lot of questions at a steak restaurant, and you were elbowing Aaron Larsoul, uh, annoyed at uh, how I was making friends with the waiter.
1: (laughs) Which is I don't know why it's such a problem, but I don't believe I don't believe that servers should work harder than they're already working. Because I find myself very guilty <laughs> ah, when I walk right, in a restaurant. Right. Try this the next time you're in a restaurant. Just try this and it'll change your life. It will change your life. Not you though, because you like to be chatty. I know. You like to talk about food. But when you get into a restaurant, you're either waiting to sit down because a good restaurant you have to wait because the place is packed. Right. Or if you're going in there and you sit down, notice in the first minute or to don't look at the menu or anything notice how hard everybody's working they're all working their ass off so they're going back to the kitchen they're bringing they're carrying stuff they have to lift plates they have to clean while they're working it's something that i don't do i don't do much around my house a ton of cleaning and i'm not carrying plates around so when i get to a restaurant and i watch people work so hard the last thing i want to do is keep them from all the work that is backlogging and adding up while they're talking to me. <laughs> and secondly, I talk for a living. So when I go to a restaurant, I don't really oh, want no. to talk to people other than my friends and the guests I'm sitting at. So I don't like to make small talk.
0: Yeah, I, I, I get that. You know, one night at the house, we had a turn-the-tables night, and I invited Hector, Javi, and Doris from Taylor's, our three favorite service, and we served them at our house, so that's that's how far I cross the boundary. Sometimes I become friends with waiters and waitresses, and then invite them to my house and serve them food. But I, you make a great point. You know, you can't keep them chatting too long, or uh, or all of a sudden their tables back up, and uh, you're actually taking money out of their pocket.
1: Uh, let's stay with the Italian restaurant. So my grandfather on my father's side was a chef. I told you about him. Right. Was a chef at the Metropolitan Hotel, a phenomenal, phenomenal, world-class cook who could make Italian and then taught my mom and my aunts how to make great Italian food. And because I grew up in New York and there was no such thing as Mexican food as a kid, I Right, after, there wasn't. No nope. French food or anything. So we would order and we'd go only out to an Italian restaurant or a diner. So I always knew from great cooking from my mom and grandfather that I love chicken parm or some type of ravioli or some type of pasta dish. So when I get to an Italian place... I know there's one or two or three things I'm only going to order. That's chicken parm, some type of ravioli dish if it's done well, and then maybe a special if they tell us about the special and blows me away. But I don't need to look at a, an Italian an Italian restaurant menu. I think I know what's on the menu, Tom. What, what is your ethnic background? Irish and
0: Italian, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's nothing but trouble. That is nothing but trouble. No wonder you love to argue and yell. It's And, and I know it's the pot calling the kettle black. I'm Irish and Polish. I don't know about the Polish side but Irish always insists that the loudest person wins the argument so that's why we've always had fun over the years
1: I want to tell you this quickly at the Raider home games they have all this chocolate and all these gifts because they probably had a billion dollar budget right. a billion dollar budget for the press box and the menu and again there's there's like 11 people there for the right. game, and some for there and uh, they had a gingerbread house and They had a real gingerbread house that was there in the press box that you could have broke off a piece of the stadium in a ginger house was the stadium. But this time of year you get gift baskets and I get gift baskets. What is the advice we get to people or want to give them about overeating during the holidays Uh holiday? cheer with gifts
0: yeah well do you see how blown up i am right now i'm wearing my tank top uniform on zoom you
1: look you look swole
0: i know and here's the reason i'm so strong at the gym because i'm eating carbs In november december my advice is enjoy it stop eating like it's a holiday when it's not a holiday don't eat like this. Have, enjoy your gift baskets. That's why I'm so strong. That's why I'm so small <laughs> right now. I'm always stronger in the gym in, in November and December. I eat the Hawaiian bread. Those rolls are so good. Uh, I eat the gift baskets that people send. Uh, so it
1: the I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, somebody,
0: somebody filled in for the big, somebody just, uh, uh, coincidentally this year sent me a gift basket. Who's never sent me one and it filled in for the guy who used to, oh, wow. and, <laughs> and so, but uh, yeah, my advice, I could teach a class on how to eat over the holidays in 10 seconds. And that is stop eating like it's a holiday unless it's a holiday. So if you want to enjoy yourself from Thanksgiving to Christmas, uh, people don't gain that much weight in America. They gain one to two pounds. The problem is they don't lose it. And after 20 Christmases, that's 20 to 40 pounds. So make sure in January through the next November, stop eating like it's a holiday.
1: I own a Peloton.
0: Oh, great. Great. Great, great. We got a
1: Peloton for Christmas. Great. And I'm telling you this. Again, going to the gym our whole adult lives and we're kids working out and all that. I finished P90X. I've had stints where I've ran a little bit of this or that, but I could have always worked out more in my life. I regret. I wish I worked out more my entire life from 30 to 50. Plus, I wish I worked out more. But that's old news. I got a Peloton. And we got one in the house now. It's insane. We're just breaking it in, doing the first few rides. Great. But to see the screen that feels like you're looking at a movie, to have the interactive coach talking to you. Would you I like could, it? Oh, you would love it. Okay. You would love it. But you still want to go to the gym. It's for a lot of people that don't want to go to the okay, gym. Yeah, you want okay. to have the gym at home because you're, you're a freak. You want to go to the gym.
0: Yeah, I have an uh, outdoor gym. There's an outdoor gym that's 17 miles and because there's no traffic in L.A. It takes me 17 minutes. I've been going there.
1: So I always love getting deals. I never pay retail. I don't do it. And when I go to golf, I get comped.
0: Oh, you're you're amazing time. at it. Yeah. I
1: go to a bar, every bartender knows me. They're buying the first or second one. There's always a comp involved and I'll make sure everyone's taken care of. This retail baby there's no deal wow there's no deal don't even think about a deal unless you buy a used one or a friend of a friend never used it and they gave it to you you got a deal you buy this from their company they deliver it two guys come they have ropes around their necks and they carry (laughs) it up they put the screen in they put the screen in they test the wi-fi they set it up and it's a big deal because it costs like a gym membership to get into this thing for years But I'm pretty impressed. I'll give you an update on it in 2021. Great. I'm enjoying the first couple of rides. Boom. Bingo.
0: We actually talked a lot of football. That's good. (laughs) We talked sports in this one.
1: Good. Awesome. A lot more to uh, get into. Uh, What I want to do is I'm working on this. I'm trying to do this deep dive on working through the pandemic, 2020 kind of a thing. Right. is like a lot of, you know, what it was like to freaking hear about, you know, working from home and all that. One, I kind of want to try to do solo just to put it out there for my own. Oh, yeah, I, you've been saying a that. I'm hoping that week I can drop that before the
0: end of the year. Well, I, next, next week, I got to do afternoon drive. Yep. And so, uh, and it's part midday's because they suck it. So I think I start at eleven, I end at six or 10, noon, and end it. Uh, anyway, it'll be really hard for me to do the podcast next week. I'm not going to. I hate. I hate saying that to you <laughs> because of your schedule for the whole year. But uh, I, yeah, I, I'm going to have a hard time next week getting to it.
1: So, Looney, before I say, I'll say goodbye to you so you can sign me off here. I'm with Bobby right. G. You just FaceTime me, and Bobby G knows Tom Looney. Bobby so, G. So we're wrapping up our podcast, and I'll say goodbye to you, Tom. I'll sign off, right, and uh, we'll talk right. to you next week. Miles, good to see right. you. How are you, my friend?